Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to your hometown solutions. I'm your host, Jean Noodle from Waterview Realty. And in the studio with me today is our guest host, or co-host, I should say, <laughs> not a guest host anymore, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Lack with Waterview Realty, Waterview Title, and Lack and Lack Chartered. Well, thank you for having me back, Jean. I was thinking about our host that we have in here. We have a great uh, uh, guest coming up here in a few moments, but tell us again, uh, Jonathan, some of the services that you provide. Um, everybody knows that I um, am a real estate agent in the area, but they don't know some of the services that you provide. Well, I'd like to think that I provide all services related to real estate. So I am a transactional real estate attorney with my practice of Lack and Lack Chartered. Also have Waterview Title Services, which is a full service title insurance agency and the real estate brokerage of Waterview Realty Services, of which you are one of my finest agents. (laughs) Thank you very much. And, you know, we haven't uh, mentioned where we're located for the last couple shows. So let's tell them how to find us. Okay. Well, we are in the heart of Indy Atlantic. Actually, that's not really true. We are in Indy Atlantic, Florida. It's not necessarily the heart of Indy Atlantic, but we are at 1165 North Highway A1A in Indy Atlantic, Florida. But we do cover all of the Brevard County area and, in fact, even down into the South Florida area. That's right, because you still have offices in South Florida that uh, you and I are both from South Florida, so we understand the the niceties of living in South uh, and space on the Space Coast and coming up from the South Florida area. Um, so we do cover everything from Brevard, Dade County, um, Palm, Palm Beach County, as well as Brevard. So we get a lot of questions. Because we're in real estate, people come to us with all kinds of questions. They ask us all kinds of tax questions. They ask us all about, uh, we just had last week on the fire department, they'll ask us about fire. So you can't believe the things that people ask us, right? Yeah, well, when you're in real estate, you tend to be a gatekeeper to information because exactly. people... When they're concerned with their house, they're concerned with everything that's related to their house as well, which pretty much covers your entire life. Right. So they come to us, and then we have to pass them on to other professionals who can assist. I know, and they'll always say, well, is this tax deductible, Gene, this particular thing, that particular thing? And I always say, you know, I'm not a CPA, and I've never played one on TV. So the best thing to do is to talk to a CPA. So consequently... We have a... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> very qualified CPA in the room with us today. We, I'm very pleased to welcome to the show uh, Tom Flavin with Flavin Nooney in person, and they are CPAs and advisors here in Brevard County. And Tom, welcome to the show. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you very much. 
Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your firm and, and your practice? Well, uh, I've been here in Brevard County uh, since uh, 1987, moved up from Miami. It's been a wonderful mm-hmm. place. Uh, I've raised a family here. Uh, um, and uh, our firm uh, w- was founded, uh, I was the founding uh, member in 1989. Uh, we're a full-service CPA firm. Uh, we we uh, help individuals and businesses with their tax and accounting needs, uh, and also act as uh, uh, financial planners and advisors uh, for our clients. So you uh, moved up from the South Florida area as well. I, I certainly did. Originally from the Midwest, but my wife and I lived in Miami uh, for about seven years, from 1979 through 1987. Uh, Miami and South Florida is a wonderful place, but uh, got to be just a little too too big for us when our first child came along, and we loved Florida and found uh, uh, Brevard County and, and the Melbourne area to to be just what we were looking exactly. for. Exactly. Well, I grew up in South Florida. This reminds me of Fort Lauderdale back in the 60s and mm-hmm. 70s. I've not heard that, that many be- times. It's not that it's behind the times or anything. It's just low, slower paced. It's not, it's friendly. It's not hustle bustle. And so a lot of people that I know are, are moving up here. But that's our, our little connection again. Miami and Fort Lauderdale and Pompano, we're all... We're all coming up this Part of way. That migration of those of mm-hmm. us from the South Florida area mm-hmm. who enjoyed it and enjoyed our youth there, but are looking for our children to experience a similar environment. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not available down there anymore because of all the hustle and bustle. So it's great to be here in Brevard. And for those of you who are interested, uh, feel free to give us a call. Oh, yeah. Give uh, out the phone the numbers. Phone numbers uh, for Lack and Lack Chartered. It's area code 321-953-5115 or on the web at lacklaw.com. And Jean, tell us about Waterview Realty. Yes, um, uh, you can call us at Waterview Realty, and I don't even know our number off the top of my head. It's 321-252-9566 or com for the web. It's waterviewre.com. I always give out my cell phone. I don't know if I want to do that on here, but I could. Uh, so we have a CPA, and we're, we're always wondering, and by the way, I want to mention your name again because it's Flavin Nooney. And person, not in person. It sounded almost like we said Flavin Nooney in person, but it's and person. Uh, tell us a little bit about what kind of services that uh, your company provides and what is the difference between a CPA and a bookkeeper or anyone else that does taxes or anything like that? Well, the basic, uh, basic difference uh, uh, with a CPA, um, you're, you're not just... Uh, looking at or dealing with a number cruncher, and we're not even just tax preparers. Uh, um, we're business and financial strategists. Uh, we we uh, try and help our clients uh, uh, not only with the compliance issues, uh, regulatory and tax, but but also with the, the strategic uh, and long-term uh, business planning. Uh, many of our clients come to us uh, uh, initially for tax advice, uh, but then they find that um, we are able to to help them with their uh, business uh, strategizing, their long-term thinking, our business experience and exposure to the area and the local market, uh, they, they find these things very valuable. Of course, CPAs are licensed uh, by the state of Florida uh, throughout the United States. Uh, they almost pass the uniform, a uniform exam um, and meet uh, certain basic educational requirements. Uh, uh, for the most part now, that's a... Uh, uh, five-year college degree and uh, throughout most of the 50 states, as well as uh, uh, continuing professional education 
on an ongoing basis, um, on a yearly basis. So with, uh, with a CPA, when you're dealing with a CPA, you're dealing with someone who is uh, licensed, uh, who is educated, and who is experienced. I have one quick question, and I know Jonathan has quite a few for you, but a lot of people move here and they have a small business, they run out of their home or they start a business. Wouldn't that be the first place you'd want to go is to a CPA before you start your business and find out how to form your business on whether you want, what kind of corporation you want to form and so forth? Yeah, uh, yes, it would. That's, that's an excellent observation. Uh, so many times uh, I'm, I'm uh, seeing clients, and I'm going to refer to this on a post-mortem basis. In other words, the tax year is over, they've already done whatever they were going to do, and about all we can do at that point is uh, survey the battlefield and uh, spare the wounded and dying, and uh, there's not a lot of planning that we can do at that point. Uh, so uh, look before you leap. Meet with that uh, CPA, your CPA, find one that you trust, and that you feel uh, um, your personality uh, dovetails with, mm -hmm. and, and meet with them and talk to them about issues like business formation. Uh, what would be the best form of business uh, for my particular endeavor? Would it be a sole proprietorship? Should I be incorporating? How about an LLC? Should I elect S status? These are all questions that the CPA, the experienced CPA, can help you with. Uh, and, and can save you some, um, some heartache, possibly, uh, if you wait to worry about that until your tax year is over. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, may be, you may be experiencing, often, some, some regret, mm -hmm. regrets. Why didn't I take advantage of these uh, of, uh, services, issues and right. services uh, beforehand? Exactly. So, a lot of people don't think through those. I used to do a lot of seminars for people starting businesses, and... Uh, they just jump in there and they go, they think all they need is a license from the city or something to do their business. And, and then next thing you know, they just, they do a corporation, but they don't know whether to do a partnership or an S-Corps. And then, then their taxes, they find out that they did the wrong thing. And as you said, you're out there on the battlefield yeah. field trying to <laughs> help the wounded. And, and generally speaking, in, in my firm, we've always had the philosophy, philosophy that, um, um, we, uh, when, when, when a potential client calls us, wants to come and, and talk, um, the clock doesn't start ticking for us in terms of, of billing. Uh, the client has to meet with us and feel they're comfortable with us. Uh, but we also have to meet with the client right. and feel that we're going to be comfortable working with them as well. Right. So that initial meeting is usually, uh, on a, on a non-chargeable basis. Um, and, and if we part ways um, and, and, decide, and the client decides not to engage us for some reason, well, uh, we've met someone new, we've made another potential friend in the community, and hopefully they'd feel the same way. I think that's excellent because there are so many people, especially if they move down here, maybe they've left their CPA in Ohio or Indiana or whatever, and they've come down here, and now they need a new CPA, and the fact that you can meet them, mm -hmm. kind of a get acquainted, mm -hmm. kind of a first date, so to speak, find out a little <laughs> bit about each other before you decide to engage into your services. Wonderful idea. Um, let's. Uh, I want to give out your uh, address and phone number here. It says 2200 South Babcock Street in Melbourne. And the phone number is 321-725-4700. And you can also visit them on the website at www.flavin, P 
flavincpa.com. That's flavincpa.com. Oh, CPA. Yeah. Yes. Well, I got my glasses on. I still didn't see that. Flavincpa.com. Thank yes. you very much for correcting that. Jonathan? Well, I really appreciate the things you've said so far as far as how you handle clients and such. And I do a lot of, again, real estate and real estate related work. And many of my clients are investors and they come to me. In fact, I just had one yesterday where they wanted to transfer their property, a rental property from themselves to an LLC. And I get a lot of clients coming to me for uh, business formation, corporations, LLCs being the primary two, of course. And I always say, look, I can give you all the legal advice in the world. I can tell you the differences between an S and a corporation and an LLC and why you might want one over the other from a legal perspective. But I always tell them, I'm not going to give you tax advice. I can give you the very basics of how it works with an S-Corp pass-through, disregarded entities. I can throw out the buzzwords, but don't really know the terminology. I mean, I know the terminology. I don't know the substance of it. And always say, look, before we go any further, I want you to talk to your CPA. I want to confirm that this is the right entity for you. Do you have any advice for, again, I have a lot of sometimes husband and wives or single entity or, you know, individuals who are buying, you know, either sometimes one or two or three rental properties. And it seems like the in vogue thing is LLCs these days. I'm still old school and like corporations, but LLCs seem to be the favored entity of choice uh, for real estate ownership. And the question that came up yesterday, and I referred him to a CPA and I'm waiting for the response, was should he be, should it, obviously a woman, should she file as a partnership, an S-corp, or a disregarded entity? Is that the kind, I know you can't give that advice on air without knowing the parties, but what well, general information can you throw let, out there? Let's talk about uh, those, let's start by talking about those those three categories that, mm-hmm. that you just cited. Um, uh, when when you form an LLC, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you of course have an entity that is potentially taxable. Now, if you called the IRS and said, uh, "Please send me a form because I want to file my LLC tax return," they would tell you, "I'm sorry, we can't do that because no such form exists." Mm-hmm. Uh, when you when you form an LLC. The, the uh, first time you file for your first tax year, you make an election, and you elect to be treated either as a corporation, a partnership, or a disregarded entity. Well, let's start with disregarded entity. What's that? Well, that's a single-member LLC, um, and uh, that has elected to be treated as a partnership. Uh, now, uh, um, there's no such thing as a single-member partnership. I can't <laughs> be partners with Myself. Myself. <laughs> uh, maybe I am, but, but I don't have any other physical partners. So the IRS says, that's a disregarded entity. The IRS ignores that for tax purposes. If you happen to own a rental property in that entity, you would simply report that on your rental schedule as part of your tax return, your Schedule E. Likewise, if you were doing some other business, uh, let's say um, you were an insurance agent and you were you formed an LLC, but you were the only partner in the practice, you would simply use a Schedule C, a proprietorship form on your 1040 in order to report your tax results. So it's a disregarded entity. The IRS looks at it and says, it's not filing a tax return. We're still going to tax the income, but it's going to be taxed right on the proprietor's or the owner's tax return. Um, That would be similar to a sole proprietor. That's correct. That's correct. A partnership is just what it sounds like. An LLC uh, can elect to be treated as a partnership. If it has two members or more, it's 
going to file a, t a partnership tax return on an annual basis, Form 1065. And uh, uh, it can also elect to be treated as a corporation. Um, <clears throat> and there are two subcategories there. It can be elect to be treated as a regular corporation, a taxable corporation, a corporation that pays taxes on its income. We don't really see that very much, to tell you the truth, because it, it's almost uh, defeating the purpose of forming the LLC uh, for, uh, for the small business person who's looking at simplifying his, his tax while keeping some of the benefits of a corporation. But what we sometimes see is an LLC is created and it elects to be treated as an S corporation. Um, and uh, an S corporation is a pass-through entity for tax purposes. Uh, it pays no tax, uh, but it does file a separate tax return and the results, the net results of the operation of that entity, either a, a net income or a net loss is reported on a form K-1, which is given to the Person. partner and the partner then includes that net loss or income on a one as one line on their tax return. So I know that limited uh, LLC is limited liability corporation, corporation. and I, people like that because for lawsuits or anything like that they feel like they're a little bit more protected. Is that really true? And in my practice that's where we see you need to speak with your attorney, a knowledgeable attorney, a knowledgeable real estate attorney. Right. Yeah. And that is the difference and I again appreciate recognizing the difference there. I provide legal advice and, and the liabilities and, and the, the legal benefits of being a limited liability company versus being a corporation or a partnership, I can advise legally why you would want to go one way or the other, but the tax consequences I have found, for the most part, are as or more important because an LLC, a limited liability company, or a corporation usually serves my client's interest of protecting them personally from liability. So they own the property in the LLC. If something were to happen, the only liability would extend to the LLC and they could always close it down and it wouldn't affect their personal lives. But the tax consequences are a large part of the picture. Thus why I refer to Tom Flavin. <laughs> yeah. um, and other things that come up in my practice are we do deal with a lot of foreign investors as well. So we come across the Foreign Investors in Real Property Tax Act or also known as FERPTA. And we have clients... Uh, buyers who are buying from foreign sellers. Sometimes they're foreign sellers, but they're concerned both with their purchase, which usually isn't an issue, but I like to advise them, look, there's no problem with you buying this property now, but you need to be aware of FERPTA for when you eventually go to sell. Any information you can impart regarding FERPTA? Well, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Lots of things. First, let me say that there are over 185 separate tax treaties that uh, the United States has oh with God. other with other uh, foreign entities, and so uh, we can get into trouble if we start making too many blanket statements about foreign sellers of of real or alien sellers of real estate here in the United States. However, in my practice, uh, we see uh, often we'll see uh, our uh, uh, our friends from Canada um, who may have a, a property here, either buying or selling a property, uh, Great Britain, United Kingdom, um, uh, France, uh, Germany. Those are the countries that, that we most often see uh, in, uh, with uh, 
uh, foreign citizens involved in real estate transactions. In the Space Coast. And on the Space Coast. In the, in the, space in the coast. South Florida, it's mostly Central America. That's, that's correct. That's mm -hmm. correct. But here in the Space South Coast. South America. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we see most of most of our, our visitors who are involved in real estate transactions uh, coming from. And uh, now, now let's talk generality, okay. uh, generalities. Uh, so as a, as a foreign investor or foreign holder of real estate, um, when, I, when I go to sell my property, um, uh, Uncle Sam, uh, what's he afraid of? He's afraid that I'm going to get a big pile of money uh, from the sale of my property, and I'm going to go back to where I came from, and I'm not going to pay any tax that might have been due on that. So uh, consequently, uh, we have FERPA, which um, it requires um, withholding at source. And generally, that means that the closing title agent um, is required to withhold uh, proceeds at the source of the transaction. Now, the key word there is withhold. It's, it's, uh, it's a withholding amount. It is not a determination of tax. It's an assumption that there's going to be some tax due, and therefore, let's withhold some uh, at, the, at the closing and remit it to the IRS, and, uh, uh, and then let the uh, seller of the real estate worry about getting it back later. How does the seller get it back? Well, often they have to file a tax return, a 1040NR, non-resident uh, uh, return, and show via the filing of that return that... Um, there was no gain on the property, or the gain on the property uh, did not result in taxable income, and therefore they're entitled to a refund of the tax that was withheld. And so that's kind of an overview. Okay, great. And the there are methods by which you can get some certificate of non-liability or something, correct. so as the sellers can get their money back more quickly. That's 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 correct. Now, if I understand it correctly, if the seller, even if they're foreign-born, if they have a social security number here in the United States because they had been working here or whatever, for whatever reason, or if they own it in a, a corporate entity that has a uh, tax ID number, then would that avoid the withholding requirement? Yes, many times it does. Uh, so if the, if the foreign seller uh, is, uh, has, as you said, has a social security number, or a tax identification number, which is different than a social security number, but it's an, another way for the uh, IRS to track the existence of someone who's involved in a transaction but is not necessarily a U.S. citizen. Um, there there uh, uh, are methods for obtaining that exemption from withholding in advance. Uh, the key here, of course, is planning. Uh, don't Call your title agent the day before the closing and say, um, "How uh, you know? Can you get me to a CPA who can help me uh, avoid the withholding? I don't want this withholding to take place." It's going to take uh, um, uh, allow maybe six weeks mm -hmm. of advanced planning uh, uh, and filing in order, in order for that that uh, certificate of exemption uh, to turn around. 
from the Treasury Department. So for those of you listening, especially the realtors out there, we do have a real estate show. So we hope to have many real estate agents listening to learn all this great knowledge. And for those of you listening, when you are dealing with foreign investors, um, and again, we call them investors, it could be for their own residence, but if they're buying real estate in the United States, uh, buying and then ultimately going to be selling, uh, make sure they're aware that these issues are out there. It's not a big deal. You reach out to Mr. Flavin and he can help you out, but you don't wait, as you say, to the last minute and then then have the crisis. You want to be the educated agent who educates your clients so that everything goes smoothly. That, that's correct. The key is, is giving everyone enough advance time in order to uh, deal with the challenges mm-hmm. so that your closing goes smoothly. The, the last thing that I can think of in the few minutes that we have left, time goes so fast on these shows, um, is 1099s. Uh, it, it hasn't been a big issue, unfortunately. Many of my clients, anyway, have not been profiting from the sale of the real estate over the mm-hmm. last few years. In fact, have often had losses. Um, so the 1099s have not been a significant issue. And of course, we have the exemption for the filing when it's under 250000 for a single person and five hundred for a married person. So again, we don't see it too often. But the, thankfully, the market's coming back in stronger. And we're going to start seeing more 1099s that may result in uh, tax consequences from the sale of a home. Um, so maybe you can give a little brief overview of adjusted basis and basis and things that result in potential uh, tax consequences. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's talk about basis and let's de- let's define that term basis. What's my basis in my home? Well, initially, it's what I paid for it. Uh, I uh, I uh, sign the real estate contract. I go to closing, and the contract says five hundred thousand dollars. Okay. There's my home. I paid $500,000 for it. Uh, that's my basis. Uh, if I turned around uh, um, uh, five years later and uh, um, sold that home and uh, sold it for less than a million dollars, assuming that I'm married, uh, I'm not going to have any taxable gain. So I could sell it for nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety ninety-nine. <laughs> whatever I could sell it for nine hundred ninety thousand and not have uh, any tax taxable gain. Why? Because I'm a uh, as a married couple, I can exempt the first five hundred thousand dollars of gain as long as I can say I lived in the house as my homestead residence for two of the last five years. Uh, that qualifies me. Now, um, what can cause uh, uh, you to have a different basis or an adjusted basis? Well, let's say I bought the home and it had no swimming pool. And the first thing I did was I went out and put a $50,000 swimming pool, uh, installed that swimming pool in my home. Now I have basis in my home of $550,000. I paid $500,000 for the home and I installed a $50,000 swimming pool. Uh, let's take another example. Let's say I looked at the paint on the outside of the house and I said, this house needs a new paint job. And I spent $10,000 on painting it. That is not an increase to basis. Why? Because that's a normal repair. Um, The IRS would look at that and say, all you're doing is maintaining the property, um, dealing with normal wear and tear. Uh, That's not a swimming pool. A swimming pool is you're installing a capital improvement that wasn't there before. Likewise, if I installed a new kitchen or upgraded, substantially upgraded the bathrooms, if I did anything that involved knocking down a wall and relocating it, these are capital improvements. And these are... These are items that are going to uh, increase the basis in your home. Um, And at that point, you want to always keep your receipts. That's right. So 
uh, everyone calls my office and says, how long should I keep my receipts? It's three years, isn't it? And I say, it depends. Mm -hmm. uh, seven years if it has to do with your normal income and expenses. However, if it concerns real estate that you own, keep it as long as you own the real estate and then for another seven years. <laughs> so, so don't, because, uh, don't throw it away. Don't destroy it. Don't shred it because that may uh, be all you have to prove your, uh, your adjusted basis in your property. Um, what about a roof? Is that seemed to me sort of a hybrid. If you need a new roof, you is it maintenance or is that a capital improvement? Uh, okay, it it, uh, it it that can be a little gray. Uh, a little gray. Normally, uh, what's a roof? Well, it wears out, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. um, depending on the the type of material that you're you're using on your roof, uh, uh, maybe fifteen years, maybe twenty years. If it's a solid slate or tile rule, roo a roof, maybe forty years. Mm -hmm. um, so we'd like to think of it as a capital improvement. Um, the truth is um, um, you could end up getting uh, pushback in an audit situation from the IRS, depending on the age of the roof. Again, now you have to prove, when did I have this roof installed? Um, maybe I paid $20,000 for it, but that was 15 years ago. What's the real basis of that roof now? What's the fair market value of the use of the roof that's left after 15 mm -hmm. years. So you could get into some, some uh, um, back and forth in an audit situation. However, um, what I recommend to clients is if it's a major improvement, um, a, a roof, keep those records. If we need to use those to help uh, minimize taxes, uh, should you sell the home, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. I have a couple of things here on a can't deduct list. Home expenses, you can't deduct. See if I'm correct on these. You can't deduct the years you've paid on homeowners insurance premiums. Um, that, that's correct. Okay. Um, Fire insurance premiums, FHA mortgage insurance premiums, principal payments made on your mortgage. Yes, Only those the, are... Those are non-deductible. Non-deductible. Um, when we're talking about capital gains, and we only have a couple seconds left here, what about when you have to rebuild because of a hurricane? They've come through, and you've got a high deductible, and now you've got to spend $10,000 out of your pocket to rebuild something or repair something. Is that a, Would that be part of your... Yes, there are all sorts of rules that come in play. You know, we live here on the Space Coast. Occasionally, we have... It's, a, it's paradise, really. Isn't it, folks? Yes. We live in paradise. But every now and then we have a hurricane that blows through and, and may cause some property damage. So the general rule is that non-reimbursed uh, losses uh, that have uh, it, uh, it decreased the, the, the value of your property uh, are going to be deductible to you as casualty losses. Um, now, there are limitations there. Um, some uh, Normally, you can only deduct those to the extent that they exceed... 10% of your adjusted gross income. But more often than not, when we have a bad hurricane, we've, we're declared a presidential disaster area, and that well, changes the rules substantially. There are so many things in the show just <laughs> flew by. Uh, Thomas Flavin, thank you for joining us today. Give out your information again, how somebody can contact you. Uh, we're, we're at 321-725-4700 uh, uh, at 2200 South Babcock in Melbourne, Florida. Thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you, Jonathan Lack, as always. Uh, great information we've provided to the Space Coast. And tune in next Monday for another fine show on Your Hometown Solutions. Check us out on our website at yourhometownsolutions.com. 
thank you again, everyone, and bye for now.